Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Colin Karcher Podcast, live in studio in Salt Lake City, Utah, bringing you again awesome information on parenting, technology, raising your kid in this crazy, crazy world. We're so happy to be here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, very good news. Launched this podcast like two days ago. We're already number two on family and kids section <laughs> and number six and dog and horses for some reason too. Uh, but thank you so much for joining. Uh, I'm really, really happy and excited today uh, to share um, some information with you. Uh, I have Utah. I'm here in Utah, Salt Lake City, just out of Salt Lake City. And uh, I have been able to reach out to like basically our leading expert on all things anxiety, literally all things anxiety. That's actually his website. Uh, and so I'm going to bring him in here in a second. We're going to talk about this, especially with COVID and with kids. And man, there's a lot of craziness going on. So how can we as parents be able to help our kids and help ourselves, which then, of course, helps our kids be able to handle and deal with all this stuff? Um, so with me uh, is Jeff Gregson. Now, Jeff has an office up in Fruit Heights, uh, which is just North Salt Lake. Is that right? Right. North Salt Lake? Okay. Right. Uh, and Jeff uh, has been in this uh, realm helping uh, families, kids, teenagers, parents uh, with things like OCD, with things like anxiety. And so I thought, what a great opportunity to bring him on here and share with you, the listener, uh, everything about this and what you can do, steps, actual real steps to really help out your kids uh, with their uh, with their anxiety and things like that. So uh, we know this is a big deal. Uh, I get articles every single day. I just read a Pew Research. They just researched a study of a thousand teenagers and they asked the thousand, what are the things you are most concerned with? 70%, the number one. 70% said it was anxiety and depression. 51% said it was bullying. And then there was drugs, alcohol, and all the fun stuff, right? So obviously, this is a big, big issue. Uh, and so really happy that Jeff uh, is here. Jeff, thank you so much for making the drive down to my studio. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. So the first question is, um, what is anxiety? Because we hear this so much. It's almost like a buzzword now. Everyone, everyone right. has anxiety. I'm so anxious all the time. Like, and everything makes us anxious, and it's even harder now with COVID. But uh, from, uh, with your experience, like, how would you define anxiety? Yeah. Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think that's what I get uh, you know, confronted a lot with, right, is am I experiencing anxiety or am I experiencing something that's normal? Sure. And I like to define it as we all deal with stress, worry, and fear. And like you mentioned, a lot of us are dealing with this right now with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. But then we have what I would call clinical anxiety. So let's first talk about where anxiety comes from. Why do we experience anxiety? Because all of us are going to experience, you know, worry, fear, stress, or anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I like to tell the classic story of the, the caveman, right? The caveman's <laughs> going out into the, you know, to the forest to hunt to get some meat for his tribe. And... As he's hunting around, he's looking for, you know, an egg or a small dinosaur to kill. <laughs> and he looks up and sees a rock. And on top of the rock is a saber-toothed tiger. So in that moment, something naturally happens. Okay. There is a part of the brain, the primitive part of the brain, that naturally responds to anxiety. And this will trigger a response so that a caveman can either do a fight or a flight. Now, there's a little bit of a critical analysis here where they will decide either to run away right? Or to try to attack it. And their heart rate increases, you know, blood flows to the arms, to the legs, so they can either run away or try to spear it. And this is a natural response. It's to protect us. Now, last time I checked, I'm not being, you know, chased by saber two tigers everywhere I go. I haven't seen one for a while. Yeah. They're a little extinct, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, but we have other threats. Okay. We have things that while it's a few steps away, we are still worried. We're worried about our 
you know, our jobs, our health. And we, we think about this every day, but in more of a subconscious way. Okay. And there's two ways that we typically deal with our anxiety, right? That fight or flight. And the fight is more of a control. Mm-hmm. So we've all heard, you know, either been accused of, or we call someone like a control freak. Right. And so their idea is if I can control everything in my life, if I can manage everything, then I have nothing to be anxious about. And then we have the individual who's the flighter, right? Who wants to run away. Sure. They're more of the avoider. And so they'll put their head in the sand. They don't want to deal with the situation. And we also have a third one, which I call the freeze, where we just shut down, mm-hmm. right? Don't do anything. We, we want to let the situation, you know, work itself out. So it, it isn't a bad thing to, to be one of these, but we typically fall into one of these categories more than another. It's great to do things that you have control of. It's great to step back, to avoid a little bit before you respond or react. And even at times, especially if it's a bear, it's okay to play dead. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's okay to wait a bit. I've been playing dead for the last two months. <laughs> Early hibernation. If right? I just lay here, it'll all go, go away. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So, we, again, we all naturally, and so I think it's important to recognize where you fall into that, into which category, uh, and to recognize where it becomes a problem. Because right now, especially with COVID-19, we can't control it. Yeah. There's things we can't control. I'm seeing people now that have been able to control so much in their lives that are being, you know, tossed a little bit. That's hard. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's, to me, that's probably the best way to describe anxiety. So usually the next question I get is, okay, well then what's, if that's the overall general way that you describe anxiety, then give me a general, you know, way to frame it and how to work on it. And so I want to teach you just a couple of concepts here that'll help you understand that. One is habituation. So this is very important. So uh, whether this is for you or your kids at home, I want you to start teaching your kids that you have to face the anxiety. So picture yourself, you know, at a cold lake or that cold pool at the Motel 6. (laughs) (laughs) It's filled with cigarette butts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And your kids are like, hey, you know, the kids jump in and it's like, it's cold, right? Some kids, your kids maybe kind of, you know, slowly you know, wander in, but after a while they habituate, they become used to it. It's not that the water becomes any warmer. Well, maybe a little bit warmer. If you have you can, <laughs> there are ways to <laughs> are ways do to that. Right, right. But we habituate, we become used to it. Now, if you are to get out and go to the hot tub, we all do that. Go sit in the hot tub for a bit. And then we go back to the pool. What happens? It's cold again. Sure. We have to look at our anxiety the same way. When you face it, when you go into it, you will get used to it. But every single time you approach that anxious situation, it's going to be just as hard as it was before. But you've gained the confidence, right, to do it. Now, if we were to avoid, never get into the pool, we don't build that confidence and we're always going to fear that situation. And then we'll just perpetuate and we're just going to continue to feed that anxiety. So if I'm a parent and my daughter, Miles is going to ninth grade, she's going to be in high school. And she's freaking out and the anxious and the anxiety comes up because, you know, that's just what it is when you're going to high school and things are new and, and, and the, your feet feel like nothing's stable. Right. So you're, you're saying that uh, instead of me saying, you don't need to worry, let's not even go to school. In fact, I'm going to homeschool you and we're going to take every possibility of you feeling stressed this out of the situation. That's not good parenting. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Dang. I know. I know. It's, I mean. And we all do this, right? We tell yeah. our parents, like, I'm doing this because I love you, and it's hard. Yeah. You know, and 
parent, I, I joke with parents who come into my office and I tell them, if you're a nice, kind, good parent, you're the worst parent <laughs> to parent someone with anxiety. Did you hear that? Yeah. yeah. The worst parents. Yeah. It, you have to do counterintuitive parenting. And there's three things you really have to watch for. You have to watch for accommodation. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have to watch for reassurance and you have to watch for avoidance. So let's talk about the situation with your child going to, you know, school, ninth grade. Sure. Hey, it's scary. Um, it's the first day of school. And let's say you're dropping her off at school. And she says to you, hey, dad, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. What if, you know, I don't have any of my friends in my class? And what if the teachers are mean, right? And if, yeah, if you were to go, oh, no, no, sure, honey, you're, you're going to have some friends in there. And your te- teachers are all nice. They're so nice. They're so wonderful. And she's thinking to herself, uh, I don't think so, right? And she's not going to believe you. Yeah. Now, if you were to say to her, hey, okay, what if you don't? So you ask the question. Ask your child the question. So what's going to happen if you go in there and you don't have any friends? Well, I don't know. Well, what do you think you'll do? I'll make some friends. So guiding them through it, like uh, exactly. asking questions and, yeah. Yeah, they'll come up with it, right? You want them to go to the worst case scenario which may be no friends in class, but they'll come to the conclusion that, you know what, I'll make a friend. Sure. So they basically, they've gone to the beast, right? Gone to the fear, the, the monster in the closet, and they're like, oh, it's not that bad, right? What if your teacher's mean? What if they yell? Well, they'll yell for a bit, and then they'll get tired of yelling, and we'll just go back to our work. <laughs> Have you experienced that before? Yeah. Okay. And let them come to the conclusion. Sure. Because they're not going to believe you if you're, again, giving reassurance. Uh, one thing I want to ask you, and I know we could probably talk oh, hours and hours on this. Uh, how are parents inadvertently taking away their child's resiliency by doing too much for them? I think that's one of the biggest problems is we're so worried about our kids falling down that we don't want to let them even go outside anymore because they might fall down now, right? And what if they fall down? They're going to be said, how are parents, what are we doing wrong? So that second thing I was talking about, you know, accommodation, right? So when we swoop in, and we try to make things easier for our child. We're basically t- telling our child, you can't do it. Yeah. Love to think of the Disney classic, you know, Finding Nemo, right? You can't do it, Nemo. I'm going to touch the butt. <laughs> yeah. It is, and our child's like, oh, if my parent thinks I can't do it, then I can't do it. And yeah. Because so, they know me better than anyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And you get it. The key to success is teaching your child to fail. Yeah. And fail fast. Let them have those experiences and let them recognize it's not the end of the world. You know, when, they, yeah. when, when this occurs. I will, I mean, I'm a big, big advocate for exposure therapy. Okay, what is that? So exposure therapy is when you face your fear, and you can do this intentionally, right, or it can be created. I'm sorry. It can be natural or created. Sure. So an example is, you know, when my kids growing up, you know, for instance, we'd go to like, what, Costa Vida, right? Sorry, no endorsement here. But <laughs> we've all been to Costa Vida in Utah. Swipe up for a discount to Costa Vida, which is not a sponsor. <laughs> and what happens there? I mean, people start yelling at you. What do you want? You want bean? You want refried? You want pinto? And what? It's it's it is like, pretty. It's now intense. that you mention yeah, this, yeah, it's not a I'm filled atmosphere. with anxiety when I go through that line. Black peas, pits. I don't know. Put one on there. Cheese. Don't ask me this. Did you mark my card? I need my, my card stamp, I don't even right? care if I'm alive today. Do whatever he wants. I'll just so, tortilla. Yeah. So, you know, make your child... Right? Yeah. No one wouldn't order their own food. There we go. Hey, great step, great step tip right there. Make well, them order their own food. Exactly. You know, I mean, and talk to the person and look at them and don't put their face down and just exactly. look, I think I want some cheddar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think one of the biggest exposures our 
kids can do now is just calling someone on the phone. No, what? you can't text the girl. You've got to call and have a conversation. Yeah. They freak out. This is something we do with my daughter. So her friends, uh, you know, text us. She doesn't have a phone. She uses a mom's phone to text friends. Yeah. And uh, when a boy, when they all start chatting or they want to talk, like we say, you got to FaceTime them or you're not right. talking to them. Right. And That's I'll tell awesome. you what, when she FaceTimes some of these kids at the beginning, they're like, <laughs> like the neck bends down. But now they all do it. Right, right. That's awesome. And, uh, and, and I've seen my daughter feel more comfortable with this kind of stuff, you know, which is cool. Especially today when kids are just, everything's on the screen. Well, when you look, so you look back to that situation, describe with the habituation. Yeah. Right. The more you do it, the more you realize it's tough every time you face it, but then you habituate and you become used to it. And just so, like that cold pool. Exactly. Yep. So accommodation, don't, you know, don't be the helicopter parent. Don't do it for your child. Yeah. Make them do it. And the, when I explain this to, you know, to kids, to teens or their parents, they'll say, but yeah, but what if I you know, do that exposure and I feel rejection. Yeah. Beautiful things that goes either way. Right. That my favorite exposure activity, I call it the grocery store exposure is to make a person go through the line and they have to intentionally not get all the items they need. And so when the clerk says, Hey, did you find everything you want? I say, no, you know, where's the toilet paper? Mm. Hopefully there's some there. Right. And they have to go out of the line, go get the toilet paper, come back. Their fear, of course, is what are the people in line going to think, Yeah. right? What's the cashier going to say? One of two things will happen. Either somebody in line will give them a dirty look, right? The cashier will kind of snub them. And then the worst things happen. And then when that happens and they realize 10 minutes later. The world didn't end. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or nobody cares because they're all busy looking at their phones, right? (laughs) And trying to social distance. So It's like that old saying, dance like no one's watching because they aren't. They're just looking at their phone. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So we so you you mentioned as well. I've been on your website. You mentioned uh, this different. I, I think uh, d- drive the point home for our parents listening. The difference between worry, fear, and stress and anxiety. Like what? Right. Because uh, I I feel when I go out and talk to middle school kids and high schoolers all over the country, they come up after assemblies and they're always like, "Oh, thank you so much. You, I've been I've had anxiety since I was seven, right. uh, or I've had depression since I was six, or right. and and they're almost like it's almost like the new thing, the new trend to like label themselves as I have anxiety, so I'm an anxious person, so I don't know how to handle anything in my life, and I will therefore create this persona in digital form on my Snapchat and my Instagram and in life. Uh, and that's just how I am. And and uh, and it's really handicapping these kids. So how would you explain the difference between all these different uh, uh, words, buzz, no. buzzwords? Yeah, excellent. No, yeah, absolutely. You know, we have worry, fear, right, stress. Mm-hmm. We all deal with that. Go back to the caveman example. It's important. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't get up in the morning. Sure. We just lay in bed all day, not have any motivation to get anything done. So it's necessary to a certain level. A simple way of putting it is I like to look at it as though a person with true clinical anxiety, they experience what other people experience who have worry, fear, and stress. The volume's just turned way up. Yeah. And since the volume's so loud, they can't focus on anything else. So worry, stress, fear, it will go away if the situation takes care of itself or if you use some coping skills. Okay. And coping skills, we'll talk a little bit more about that. All right. But coping skills will help decrease that and take it down. Coping skills will not help a person with clinical anxiety. So let's talk about what true clinical anxiety is. It's, and it's much akin to depression. You can't have one without the other. Okay. okay. You have to look at it like they're tag team wrestlers. One may be whomping on you. And people will say, well, I'm dealing with anxiety, no depression. As you talk to them, you'll see that they do have some depression as well. It's just the, the anxiety is so prevalent. Sure. And then sometimes it'll, you know, the anxiety will walk away. Depression will start whomping on them. 
And then sometimes they play dirty and they both beat you up. So you'll see symptoms of low motivation, you know, poor appetite, poor sleep, poor focus, concentration, uh, not enjoying things they usually enjoy. And this has to go on for six months or more. Okay. So coping skills will not take care of that. Coping skills will take care of the anxiety, stress, and fear. What are coping skills? You know, there's what I call like the, the classics, right? Deep breathing. Okay. I mean, we want to get our, our breathing back to what's a normal type of breathing. We have, you know, counting back from 10 because mm-hmm. it will focus. It's like a counting backwards is the most simple meditation you can do. It will focus your brain. Why is that? What's the, is there science behind that? Yes. Lots of MRIs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Answer next, next coping skill. That's all we need. No, yeah, there, yeah, there is, there is science behind it. Yeah. And then the third one is, I mean, going to your happy place, right? Yeah. Visualization. Cause that will take, and that will actually change the chemistry in your body and calm you down. These are great things to, you know, help deal with that stress. Um, it, there, these would be great things to help with your emotional health and to keep yourself from going into that clinical anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. but this won't end depression yeah. and this won't end anxiety. Now, when we're dealing with clinical anxiety, we have to do the coping skills, right? To try to prevent and maintain emotional health. But then we have to go to some things to deal and fight. And as I was talking about before, we have to actually face right? The fear. Okay. We have to get down to what the bottom, uh, the core fear, the core belief is about the anxiety. And then we have to start attacking it. And we use, it's called cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. Okay. We start changing our mindset and changing the way we view things and changing those neurological pathways in our brain. And that's the big difference, right? The one, you change the situation or change your thinking with coping skills, you're going to be fine. And a lot of people are experiencing that now with COVID-19. Sure. I want to reassure parents that you, you know, because your kid's dealing with more of this doesn't mean they're going to have mental health issues. They're going to have anxiety and depression. But those dealing with depression and anxiety, we've got to face it. And I can talk a little bit more about some things we can do to combat that if you'd like. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think uh, as I think of coping skills and I, and I hate that my kids have to watch me try and deal with right. all this. Because right now my coping skills is like I have like a $40 a week habit of Reese's fast breaks now. I'm not kidding. And they're 219 each, which is like, I got to get a cosigner next time. I, I don't have the best Kobe skill to be honest. Right. Right. Um, and, and kids, they don't hear us, they see us. And so it's very important for parents right now to set really good habits. Uh, but as far as the, as some of the ones that parents really need to make sure the kids are avoiding, what a lot of kids are doing, they're telling me is how they're dealing with this is they're going to their bedroom and they're pulling out their phone and they're just scrolling. Right. right. Uh, what issues are we going to see if that's the kid's coping mechanism? as this brain's developing and as they're going through these really formative years, if they realize that anytime I pull my phone, I can go on, I can go on my phone, I can scroll Instagram, I can scroll TikTok, I can, kids are messaging me, they're like, right. send me a message at 2.30 in the morning, I see the next day, I'm like, hey Colin, I was just watching what you said, thanks, I was just up watching TikTok for five hours, I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe, wow. so as an expert, what do parents need to be aware of and, and uh, concerned with, with this yeah. coping mechanism? Yeah, absolutely, and it's, and you know, I know you talk a lot about the reasons why, right? The endorphins that get hit. And so the, in the, in the false sense of, of connection and, and even just distraction, Yeah, you know, the biggest, I want to define something. There's a big difference between a distraction and a coping skill mm. and then avoidance. So if you were to say you did something really hard. Okay. And you're like, okay, I want to reward myself. And so you go ahead and you watch, you know, a few YouTube videos, you know, 15, 20 minutes that can be a good 
um, distraction. It can be a good reward. If you watch YouTube videos for the next four hours, then you're going to be going obviously into avoidance and avoidance is going to again, solidify that anxiety. That's going to make it worse. So I want to talk about three things and I'll definitely hit with uh, number, the number two on these three things on things you can do to help your child. Again, whether it's the worry, fear, or stress, or it's the anxiety, it, this will work. You know, in, in dealing with anxiety, when it's just fear, stress, and worry, it's kind of like using a you know, fireman's hose to water your lawn, but hey, it does the job. So don't worry that it seems too intense. So the number one thing in keeping up that emotional and mental health is positive thinking. Okay. And it's absolutely expressing your feelings. Okay. So number one, you need to express what you're feeling, what you're experiencing. The, this can go several different ways. Okay. You can basically, Hey, talk about what feeling you're feeling, why you're feeling it. And then things you're going to do to deal with that emotion. Just expressing it is doing that. But also again, going back to some of those coping skills, doing things that you enjoy and like is going to be a way of releasing that emotion, creativity, uh, music, that's all ways of expressing emotion. Now, to get to what you're asking, Colin, that's number two, connection. Yeah. Connection is huge when it comes to dealing with our emotional and mental health. And as you were talking about with social media, this is where it becomes very damaging. Um, I like to phrase social media as like the fast food, right, of, of nutrition. Because you'll eat fast food, it feels good, it sensatiates you, but you did not get the nutrients. Mm. And then you crave more later. And then you get, you know, unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you pointing out me right now? <laughs> no, I, I was not pointing out. I have put on the COVID nineteen, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> right. It's, so it's, so it gets the job done, which I mean it does, you know. We as adults do this too when we're stressed out, just pull your phone, scroll Twitter for a little right. bit and distract, 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 and then right. you come back and it's still there. The problem's still there. Exactly. And, it, and I want to go back to what I said earlier, and that is, you know, if it's a distraction, okay. But yeah. a distraction should only be like 10, 15 minutes to bring yourself back. Sure. And then not avoid. So connection being number two, right? If I can give you, a, again, a tip or trick on helping your emotional health, it is connection. And it's got to be face-to-face. And I know I've been, I think we've all been experiencing this through COVID-19. Yeah. Like we thought, you know, we were good and now we're doing all these Zoom calls and it seems so wonderful. And after a while, we're like, this is exhausting. It's not fulfilling. It's not the same not at, at all, all yeah. than being in person. Right. Absolutely. And I, you know, I've been doing a lot of my sessions, you know, via Zoom and FaceTime and it's great. It's great. I can do this, but yeah, I'm exhausted. And yeah. I, and I feel like I'm, I'm trying to make this emotional connection with the person that is impossible. When I'm face to face with them, you can feel it and it builds energy. It does. There's the, there's the body, body movement, body language right. being together. Parents are always asking, what do I do with my kid though? When they can't see their friends. Right. Right. And I always say to them, I say, well, if they can't see their friends, then you're going to be their friend now. Right. I mean, right. you got to be their parent first, but they, you, you need to find a way to take all that disconnection that they're fa- feeling with not being able right. to hang out with their friends, which for a lot of these kids, I mean, the friends is their livelihood right. and being ripped from their friends has been very, very hard. So parents just have to step up. Right. I mean, yeah. I have gone, I don't know how many hours and hours of board games yeah. and Monopoly <laughs> and fishing and walks. I have walked. Right. I'm like that old lady at the mall in the morning. <laughs> I am walking, and I don't know where, I don't yeah. know where we're going. We're like, yeah. just go walk, right? Yeah. But my kids are feeling, I, I can tell, it, there's a huge difference. Yeah. 
when we're when I'm spending a lot more quality time looking at them, even if it's just sitting on the on the floor and 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 saying, "Hey, why don't you pick some songs in Alexa?" with like my eight or nine right. year old, and just sit right. there for ten minutes. I mean, they only need a few minutes of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, real connection, face to face, as much as you can when you can't, you know, hang out with friends and have birthday parties. Exactly. Exactly. Is there another tip on that one? There is. Third tip is you absolutely need to change your thinking. Okay. We are being attacked by negative thoughts. All right. Yeah. And the best way to do this, I teach, I'm going to teach you like a really quick and dirty cognitive behavioral skill. You know, when I went to, when I was in graduate school and we learned how to do cognitive behavioral therapy, they gave us these big binders of all these worksheets and I was so excited. I gave them to my I'm clients. Memorize all these. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, my clients are going to carry their binder with them and fill it out. And guess what? They never brought their assignments back. And so I'm like, I got to come <laughs> up with something that's just quick and dirty and mm-hmm. easy to use. And so I call this a three C's and the first step is catch. All right. So teach yourself and your child to catch the negative thoughts, but here's the, here's the difference. Have them tell themselves this is my anxiety or my depression that's attacking me. Mm. It's not coming from you. Okay. This is going to make it a whole lot different because now you're not attacking yourself. When you attack the negative thought, you're attacking anxiety and depression. It's key that you look at anxiety as like this, this creature, this entity. You know, I love the, I love the show stranger things, you know, yeah, yeah. and I love to think of, you know, the demigorgs and all that. Yeah. Um, I picture those as anxiety. So you're fighting that. Okay. So, the catch simply is, this is my anxiety, okay? This is a negative thought. It's coming from that negative place. The second step is challenge. And challenge has two, two components to this, okay? The first one is acknowledge what you're feeling. So I don't want you to dismiss the fact that you are feeling anxiety, that maybe you're feeling left out, that you're feeling despondent, you're feeling lonely. Acknowledge that feeling. Recognize it. But then go on to the second part of the challenge, which is I, I call the sarcastic attack, okay? So we want to push back on the anxiety monster. And I don't care whether you're five or 95, I call it the anxiety monster. Sure. You know, it works. And so you'll, you'll say things like, you know, I mean, it's pushing against the bully, right? When the bully comes and says to you, hey, you're no good, you're a loser. And if you respond by saying, well, I'm, I'm good. I'm not a loser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the bully, like, he's okay, like, you're right. I'm going to leave you alone now. <laughs> yeah, right, That's how right. they work. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. You've got to go back and say, oh yeah, you're totally right. I'm such a loser. I'm no good. So whatever anxiety is telling you about yourself, say it in a sarcastic way. Okay. And it will literally go away. Because Interesting. It, you've taken the power away from it. And then what happens too, as I practice this with, with kids in my office, kid starts laughing. I'm like, why are you <laughs> laughing? Because I know it's not true and it sounds silly. Yeah. Right? So again, you've got to face it. And then the third one is change and change the behavior. So the catch is the feelings, the challenge are the thoughts, and then the change is the behavior. Anytime we're dealing with, with our thoughts, feelings, and behavior, we truly make a difference in our lives. So that behavior is, I love to call it opposite day. You know, I love to think mm. of the Seinfeld episode where you know, <laughs> Norm does everything opposite and is successful. You want to do opposite of whatever you anxiety is telling you to do. So again, if it's telling you to avoid, don't avoid. It's telling you not to, you know, face the situation, face the situation. Or if it's a thought circumstance, then again, I'm going to, you know, change my thought and hang on to that and not dismiss it. So those, those are my favorite three steps in teaching kids, teaching parents how to deal, again, whether it's a 
emotional mm -hmm. struggle, whether it's stress, fear, and worry, or it's pure clinical anxiety, mm -hmm. it will it will work. Uh, as far as the first thing you said with breathing, uh, a lot of people always hear that, and they say, "Oh, just work on your breathing, right?" right. But for uh, but for a teenage kid, a, a tween, a ten year old, how how do you teach them to work on their breathing so they can find a, a place of, you know, bring down the anxiety? Uh, are there any right. little funny tricks or games or things like that that you uh, do with kids that come in your office? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I will, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, hey, what does your breathing feel like when you're excited or when you're playing, you know, soccer? Yeah. You know, and they'll talk about it being, you know, fast, you know, and, and not so deep, yeah. right? And then we'll talk about, hey, when you're not upset, it's slow, right? And it's deep. And so I'll have them kind of put their hand on their chest and on their stomach mm -hmm. and then practice that breathing right? And they can feel it. And they will, in that moment, they will feel a calmness. Um, as far as some fun things to teach your kids to, to do breathing, but also mindful mindfulness, you know, there's some great apps out there. Yeah. Um, what are some, what are, I, I know a few of them. What are some of the ones that, uh, that you, I think you headspa like? headspace is the best. Headspace is awesome. Yeah. It's great. Cause it gives you like a 12 week free, right. Training. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to continue on, you, you can, but at least you've learned how to do it properly. Yeah. And my understanding, I heard that they're actually giving out a free uh, year subscription right, right now. now. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah, there's like there's some other ones I've heard. I forgot what they call. I think it was called. I think there's one just called like Distract Me. Even where kids, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, hey, are you feeling? Are you feeling like this? You know, and you need right. something. It's like here's a game. Here's a puzzle. Here's a, a quiz. Just something to oh, kind of. Like but again, that. it's not. It's not really fixing the problem there. One thing I learned. Uh, I forgot where I learned it, but something about breathing that I do with my kids. So my uh, going into seventh grade now, daughter. Mm -hmm. So number two. Uh, she was having, you know, some anxiety uh, last year, and uh, I think I read somewhere they said, you know what, just have your have your kid, and you do it with them. You hold out a cup and your an invisible, invisible cup in your hands, and pretend it's like piping hot hot cocoa, oh, nice. and just tell your daughter and you to like just cool it off, right? All right. And how do you cool off? You don't just go, you know, you just right. And yeah. I, I just even just doing that once made me feel a lot better. I like that. Um, but there's, we, we're growing up and our kids are growing up in a world where exhaustion and constant grind is like the new sign of success, right? Right. And kids are – kids tell me all the time how they feel like crap so much is because if if they had a bad day or if they didn't accomplish something, they go in their bedroom, they pull up their phone, they scroll social media, and everything they see is a facade. Everything is just you right. know the tip of the iceberg and people's front-facing lives and they don't show – how hard it was to do those kind of things. So it's just this like highlight reel. And it's hard for us as parents to understand that, but it's even harder for kids uh, to understand that. Um, so as far as, far as uh, kids telling me this and saying, okay, I, I go pull out my phone, I go through these things, I can never feel like I'm ever, ever accomplishing enough. I can never right. feel like I'm doing enough. I never feel like I'm doing enough. My question to you as a therapist and, and as a dad, um, what is your recommendation for parents as far as letting the kids get access to this stuff, giving them untethered, unfeathered, whatever the word is, unfettered? <laughs> access to some of these apps where they are ex being able to ex open up their lives to everyone else and be able to see everyone else's lives 24-7? Uh, that's an excellent question. So I'll tell you personally as a dad with my kids. Mm. So I have an 18-year-old. He has an Instagram account, but it's on my phone and my wife's phone. And he's 18. He's 18. Not eight. Okay. Oh, he's 18. Yeah. And it's always been this way for him. Awesome. Okay. So if he wants to post something or scroll his Instagram, he has to come get her phone. And, and why do you do that when the whole world, and, I, and we're the same way, 
when the whole world is saying, well, no, this is just how it is now. Right. Just, uh, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Give them an eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, TikTok, Instagram. Why did you choose to do that? You know, as an 18 year old boy, there's several reasons. One is in this, I mean, if they're, well, I shouldn't be gender biased, but especially boys. Sure. Instagram, man, there's some, there's some nasty yeah. stuff on there. There's a lot of pornography. Big time. Not hard to find it. Right? It's just on the discover page now. Absolutely. It's yeah. just everywhere. Yeah. So I want to protect him from that. Good. The second thing is the time that he would spend on it. He's he's a very uh, accomplished young man, very driven, but can get very obsessive. Yeah, he'd be on that thing twenty four seven if you let him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So that, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, when I've when I've handed him the phone mm. and he's brought it back to me, and I go to look at my Instagram, but his channel's still on there. Sure. And I'm looking through the stuff, and I, I'm like. So do you follow anybody in your school? They're just all celebrities and <laughs> and models. And he's like, no, dad, those are kids at my school. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, you yeah. know, his friends are all in Portugal, you know, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm like blown away. I mean, I'm feeling like, whoa, my life's Everything's like MTV <laughs> Cribs now, right? It is. It's and they're your neighbor's kids. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's hard to see. That's really hard to see. So I, I, I tell parents, look, you know, if you can keep your kids off it, do yep. right. You, let them have it. I get that that's how they communicate. I mean, they, they plan things through DMing and all that. And I understand sure. that. And you've got to do some of that, but your kid doesn't have to be on it 24 um, seven. You've got to protect your child from that. It is really hard for them to see, you know, what other kids are doing, keeping mm-hmm. up with the Joneses. Yeah. Um, that's going to affect their self-esteem and that's going to affect their self-worth. And they're just not going to be happy that, you know, the killer of happiness, right. Is comparison. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it was interesting. I, I went through a, I don't know, I went through kind of a rough spot here um, for about a year, okay? Mm-hmm. And dealing with some of my own, you know, mood stuff and, and some depression and that. And I'd always been on social media, you know, quite a bit, you know, promoting my, you know, my business. And, and, and I always enjoyed it. And I, you know, I wasn't on it too much. But as I was going through this, I found myself like just totally, you know, against it. It was, it was hard to watch. Yeah. It was hard to look at. It actually was painful. And I probably went for a good year not even being on social media. Really? And, wow. I, and I thought to myself, you know, if this is how it's affected me when I'm not in a good place, then obviously it's affecting individuals. Even if they're in a good place and they think they're okay and it's not hurting them, you know, I believe it is. I, sure. I remember talking to a friend who was dealing um, with cancer and was receiving cancer treatment. And they told me how their doctor had said, hey, you need to stay away from sugar and from your microwave. And I remember thinking... So if it's not good for somebody with cancer, why would it be good for anybody who doesn't have cancer? Because <laughs> yeah. we're all pre-cancerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? We all just, are just waiting for that, you know, that cancer to, to evolve. Um, and, and I think that same way with social media. Like, you can think you're okay. You think you're fine. It's not hurting you. But deep down, it is. And so, again, I'm not saying stay totally off it, but be careful. Don't use it as an avoidance. Yeah. I, about, let's see, two years ago, I said, you know what? I'm going to try and unfollow every single person on Instagram. Right. Except for my wife. Right. And I was just going to do it as kind of like as a symbol. It was kind of like a challenge. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I mean, I was only following funny people for the most part. Like, you know, basketball stuff, funny people, memes and stuff like that, whatever. But then I was following, you know, people in my neighborhood and friends, people from school. And, uh, and I'll tell you what. I'm now two years. I think almost a year and a half, two years of doing that. It was one of the best things I ever did. Yeah. Uh, a is a spouse because I wasn't wasting so much time looking at everyone else's lives. I, I didn't even realize, I don't think a lot of parents realize 
how much anxiety you are letting into your life just by the people you follow in your life, right? right? And it could be the friend, it could be neighbor. I had to unfollow my sisters, my brothers, my best friends. And I told them, I sent out a preemptive text. I'm like, hey, just so you know, no hate, I'm unfollowing you but, right. and everyone else, right? right, right. Just my, I'm just gonna follow my wife. Right. Uh, it's nothing against you, but I'm just doing this because it's gonna help me be able to focus on stuff. And you know what I found? A, my anxiety and just life went down. B, I the, the whole keeping with the Joneses. Even if I, I try not to let that affect me at all. Like, right. I mean, I, I drive a, like a really old beat up truck. I try not to get into that kind of stuff. But we live in a culture and a society where vanity is everything now, right. and it's just pushed on your face, especially where we live in Utah. If you don't have a big old truck and a new boat, like, what's wrong with you? Uh, we also have the highest debt to income ratio per capita too. I, here. I call it big Utah living. <laughs> yes. Big Utah living. Right. Um, but what I found from doing that is I didn't realize how much my social media, who I was following was creating a, a constant baseline anxiety in me of I'm never doing enough. I'm never taking my wife on enough dates. I'm never being a good enough father and those kind of things. And just unfollowing all those people brought me to a, such a better place where I, I'm no longer parenting from like a place of guilt or fear. I'm not, I'm not looking at all my friends, kids and 19 travel soccer teams and saying, why is my, I need to get my kid more stuff, more stuff, right, more right. stuff. Um, I, it, so that was huge. And I want to, I want to challenge parents who are listening to this. I mean, there's, you have given us so much good information. I've been taking notes. If you can hear this, like kind of cracking around <laughs> here, like I actually had to leave the room to go get more paper and shut my dog up. But, um, uh, I want to challenge parents like, listen, kids, they are more, we talk about resiliency and you know, it's better than anyone. Kids are more resilient than we are. They are. They really are through, through famine, through crisis, through pain, through poverty. They, they had all this. If anyone in my house is handling COVID the best, it's right. my children. It is. This is just a vacation. They're like, dude, five right. months, summer break. Right. Woo. And so I need to be aware as a dad, like, how am I letting this affect me? What kind of, you know, what kind of coping and what am I modeling my kids? Uh, but there's a couple of things uh, to add to that besides go go through, and I say this on Instagram all the time, go through and unfollow anyone who doesn't make you feel happy. Go unfollow the joy thieves in your life. If it's neighbors, friends, take a break off Facebook so you're not feeling like you're not doing enough and you lost your job and you're trying to deal with COVID and all this kind of stuff. Number two, we were talking about this before you started about shutting off the news. <laughs> Okay, so I'm on an airplane. We're going to wrap up after this. I, I travel a lot. I was on airplanes all the time, and I'm on an airplane once, and we're, hit, I'm, we're hitting turbulence. Now, I always take the aisle because I'm an aisle guy, and there's, a, and there's a space, and there's a guy at the window next to me, right. and we're hitting turbulence, right? Like, really crappy flight, and I've, I fly enough where, like, nothing bugs me anymore. I realize I have no control over anything, so I just right. I don't even care, and I look, and every time we hit turbulence, this guy next to me looks out the window, makes like a, ugh. He looks up like at the cockpit, like he's like, like he's going to do something about this every time it bumped. Right. And I'm just looking at him and he's like, just like ready to scream. Like as if he's going to go out on the plane on the wing and like, maybe there's something out there that he's going to go, you know, fix. And I, and I, I just want to look at him. I just wanted to grab by the cheeks and be like, Hey buddy, you can't do anything about this right. at all. Like right. literally. So just close the window and put on your headphones and listen to your, you know, whatever you listen to and just, hit, just be, enjoy the ride. Yeah. You know what I mean? Acceptance. Acceptance. That's exactly the word. Now I know what it is. Now <laughs> you've given me all these, these terms. Like, I'm like, what's the, what do you I'll think give it me means? The definition. Yeah. <laughs> you give me the definition. Turn off the news. Literally, there's nothing you can do besides manage your own stress and your right. own life. And all the news does it. Headlines are there to make you angry because that's what sells. 
right. and thanks to the Facebook duopoly with G- with Google, and they've realized like all this fear sells. And right. so, uh, challenge number two, number one, unfollow the people that make you feel like you're never doing enough as a parent or as a person. Number two, turn off the news and watch what happens. Uh, anyways, now you, before we go, uh, you have some amazing webinars that you do that are like a few bucks. So worth it that you do like once a month. I know there's one coming up here pretty soon, but I don't know if I'll get this podcast kicked out by then. Uh, so tell us how do they find those and what do you talk about on those? Yeah, absolutely. So best way is just to go to my website, all things anxiety.com. I love that. And you can register for the class there. It is, yeah, it's, it's cheap. It's like 15 bucks and it's a webinar and I will talk about a lot of things I've been talking about today but it's an hour long and we'll talk about what different types of anxiety there are ways that you can help teach your kids, you know, to deal with it, uh, the different personality types that your kids have. And again, how this, you know, anxiety is actually like a superpower. It's like a good thing. Kids who have anxiety, yeah, they're empathetic. They're understanding. They pick up on social cues, right? They're amazing people. So I, I love to tell parents and their kids, like, this is, you've got a superpower that we're going to learn to hone and use for good. And so that's a big part of the class. It's a very positive thing. And I'm going to give you very concrete things. I'm going to give you like a 10 page PDF. That's going to have links to videos describing the things I talk about. So yeah, I do this class once a month. Just go to my website, all things anxiety, register there, you know, get on, you know, as we're talking about social media, <laughs> get on my Instagram, which is all dot things dot anxiety. Exactly. And I at, just, you yeah. know, and again, I'll just post and just give you you know, it's such good stuff. Yeah. It's such um, good stuff. So that's, yeah, that's where you can find me. One thing I love about the uh, technology today is like, there's so many ways to get help and get your kids help. There's really no more excuses. No, there's, there's stuff everywhere. People like you who are putting out good stuff, free stuff, stuff like this podcast everywhere. There's so much good stuff. There's if anything, parents don't be afraid of this. Don't be worried when your kid says they are anxious or they're feeling a certain way. Right. Um, I think, uh, there's, there's, there's no way. There's always a way to fix and treat and help and do it out of love. Uh, so anyway, so thank you so much. Now, before you go, yes. uh, as is customary here right. uh, for people who come in studio. Now, I'm hoping you're the same size, but what size shoe do you wear? Like a 10. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You 10 too? So I have, a, I have a Nike closet. Right. <laughs> I got a Nike closet, and sometimes I let you pick, but sometimes yeah. I pick your own. And, yeah. uh, and I buy a bunch of these. And most of the time I don't even wear them. So I have a pair of some new Nike oh, Ted flights. Wow. Oh wow. And they're gonna you're gonna wow. love them. They're totally your style. Oh, they're totally yeah. your color. You go you go play some tennis or something. <laughs> or whatever you want of those. Oh, they're beautiful. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. And no, yeah. Nike is not a sponsor. That's from me, right? I don't want anyone to think, oh, Nike gives him shoes. <laughs> and that's and that's why he does it because he's got the free hook. I don't. Yeah. And if Nike, if you're listening, I could use a discount. Anyways, thank you so much to my guest, Jeff Gregson, uh, up in Fruit Heights, Utah. Uh, sign up for his webinar, which is on all uh, allthingsanxiety.com. Thank you so much for coming in today and giving so much wisdom for parents. And uh, go home, go love your kids, give them an eight-second hug. We'll see you next time.